This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And today we're going to talk about a subject that I think is uh, very, very important because it affects so many people. We're going to talk about reflux. We're going to talk about uh, hoarseness, uh, coughing, uh, swallowing, pain, and discomfort. Uh, these all come under the rubric of, uh, I guess, uh, heartburn, GERD, reflux. Uh, there's a new term that we're going to introduce uh, called laryngeopharyngeal reflux. Actually, today's guest is the originator of that term, abbreviated LPR. Now it's in the popular lexicon. Uh, she's veteran physician, Dr. Jamie Kaufman. It's really a privilege to talk to you. We're uh, colleagues here in New York City, and this is actually one of the first times that I've had an opportunity to meet her, if only via podcast, but uh, I'm a big fan of her writing. She's founder and director of the Voice Institute of New York, which is a place where people go to uh, get their uh, vocal apparatus tuned up, and presumably she sees a lot of artists here in New York, uh, singers and performers and actors. Uh, she is professor of clinical otolaryngology at New York Medical College. Uh, she has uh, pioneered uh, various types of uh, uh, innovative laryngeal surgery, uh, including uh, laser surgery. Uh, she also uh, is the author of popular books, uh, and she's well known for her book, Dropping Acid, The Reflux Diet Cookbook and Cure. And she's about to come up with a new book just out, Acid Reflux in Children. That's becoming a big problem. She is a board certified otolaryngologist. So without further ado, here's Dr. Jamie Kaufman. It's a pleasure having you on the program, Dr. Kaufman. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Indeed. Uh, so, um, uh, help us with some uh, definitions here, because you know we we throw around these terms uh, GERD, reflux. Uh, we often talk about acid reflux, and then there's this uh, other thing called LPR, which uh, you actually coined that uh, phrase. Uh, why is it necessary to differentiate uh, a kind of a subtype of uh, discomfort? Well, for, first of all, you've struck upon one of the most important. Um, questions to, to clarify at the front end, and, and that is that the um, the nomenclature matters. So when I, I'm a laryngologist, and I started noticing in around 
1981 that I was seeing a lot of patients refer to me with complications where vocal cords were scarred together that make webs, where people were having, they were sending me their worst cases because I had one of the first lasers in the country for work on the throat. And I began to notice that there was a pattern where the uh, there was inflammation, and the inflammation didn't make any sense, and it especially didn't make any sense because most of the patients didn't have heartburn. And heartburn is chest pain. You see people bursting in a fire on television after having a big greasy meal and so on. Um, so the term gastroesophageal reflux disease, gastroesophageal means from the stomach into the esophagus to swallowing. Reflux means backflow. So when the stomach stuff backflows into the esophagus and causes disease, that's good. The gastroenterologist, as a specialty, really began in around 1975. Much before that, there were a few hundred starving internists who didn't have much to do. But in 1975, the Olympus Corporation <laughs> um, began marketing these endoscopes, and they eff effectively drove the um, development of the endoscopy centers and then GI started buying surgery centers. And so from 1975 to the present, uh, the GI model of reflux disease has cost America $1 trillion. That's for the T. Hmm. So they put, they put people asleep, they put the scopes down, and then they put them on a proton pump inhibitor. So GERD is the disease of the gastroenterologist. It's associated with heartburn usually the commonest symptom, and they don't have much treatment for it. So I began seeing all these patients who had laryngeal disease, and I felt as though the pattern was different, uh, the mechanisms were different, and furthermore, that the throat, especially the vocal cords, was much, much, much more susceptible to damage. You can have 50 reflux episodes in the esophagus a day, and it's just fine. But if you have one bad one a day in the throat, you can be in trouble. So the term laryngopharyngeal reflux was coined to mean reflux back into the laryngopharynx means the, in the voice box and throat. The problem was, uh, of course, that it was silent reflux. And the term silent reflux came along because these people usually don't have heartburn. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're actually so, so they're, they're presenting, excuse me, they're presenting symptoms. They don't describe pain, but they say, you know, I, I'm hoarse. My, my vocal right. production right. is limited. It, it kind of like whisper or maybe they have a, <coughs> you know, that kind of <coughs> throat clearing. The chronic uh, throat clearing. Yeah. But before I get to the symptoms, I actually want to introduce what I believe is going to end up inevitably to be the best term. So about, about a year and a half ago or two, I introduced a term called respiratory reflux. Mm -hmm. And so I now have abandoned the term GERD because uh, it's, a, it's a alphabet soup and talk about esophageal reflux. And esophageal reflux is a GI problem. Mm -hmm. And then respiratory reflux, which is reflux into the respiratory tract. And for patients and for non-physicians, it's a lot easier to think about the respiratory. And then, of course, we have asthma and sinus problems and allergy-like symptoms, post-nasal drip, a sensation of a lump in the throat, difficulty swallowing, hoarseness, chronic cough, and a whole host of other symptoms. In fact, all of the respiratory symptoms can be caused by reflux. 
And so what we've now settled on, and I think that they are a pinnacle terms, is esophageal reflux for GERD and respiratory reflux for LPR. Mm-hmm. And uh, this respiratory reflux term, which has now been around for a little while, it has been uh, very much uh, preferred by patients, in particular LPR. LPR certainly is in our medical literature. So that's the story of the terms. Mm-hmm. Well, help, help us out a little bit with the anatomy here, because I think people think of the throat, you know, just in general, and maybe not realizing that there's kind of two two essential tubes. One is the food tube, and one is the breathing tube, and the larynx isn't in the food tube. The larynx is in the breathing tube. But so what's... The, the larynx is in both. So the and larynx sits, like ast- it, it, the effect, it, it sits astride the, the junction, basically. Is that what you're saying? The larynx is essentially the switching station. Okay. When you breathe, the vocal cords have to be open. When you swallow, the vocal cords have to be closed. Okay. And so the, the larynx or the throat is the most important set of valves and switches to keep both breathing. And, I mean, there are all kinds of breathing problems that occur with reflux. <laughs> Laryngospasm with the vocal cords clamped shut. Uh, problems with scarring, problems with uh, a, a, a paradoxical vocal cord movement. These are all complicated medical diagnoses. Mm-hmm. But breathing problems uh, involving just the voice box and vocal cords are common. Likewise, if the vocal cords don't close properly, then people, when they swallow liquids in particular, go down the wrong pipe. Okay. So it turns out that the voice box is the most important area where everything has to work right for people to be healthy. Okay, folks, uh, at this point, let's pause and let one of our sponsors share this important message with you. Here goes. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new, all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our guest, Dr. Jamie Kaufman. So it, my understanding, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, uh, you know, when the gastroenterologists uh, attribute this all to acid, uh, they may be missing part of the story or considerable many elements of the story because LPR is, is a laryngeopharyngeal reflux, uh, or if you prefer respiratory, uh, uh, reflux. Uh, there's, there are many components, including, uh, allergy, inflammation, uh, maybe a component of postnasal drip, uh, even, uh, you know, relationship to asthma. Is that correct? Well, you're, it, it's it's more than correct. It's really the crux of the problem. 
uh, the gastroenterologists um, basically, you, you know, I, I always ask people this question, you know why there's so little overlap between medical specialties? And it's a, it's a rhetorical question, and I always answer it so doctors don't kill each other. So there's been an attempt to create these specialties where there's no overlap. The problem is the gastroenterology model of reflux is only true for about 20% of people. So what I'm saying is 20% of people have heartburn indigestion and esophageal disease, but the other four out of five people have chronic throat clearing, post-nasal drip, sinus pressure, and all the symptoms that you alluded to all of which can be caused by reflux itself. I will say among the, the most angry of my patients are patients that have had multiple sinus surgeries, mm-hmm. painful and expensive, and they come in and they go, hey, listen, I know it's reflux at this point. Please fix me. So the, the, the first thing I would say is that it's important for people to know that reflux can occur very commonly without heartburn or indigestion which makes it not so obvious. And secondly, that people who have respiratory reflux or LPR um, usually have a constellation of symptoms, not just one. Mm -hmm. If you just have hoarseness, it's probably not reflux. But if you've got hoarseness, chronic throat clearing, too much throat mucus, the sensation of a lump in the throat, difficulty swallowing, cough, all these things, um, uh, are, are common. On my website, Voice Institute of New York, there is a quiz people can take called the Reflux Symptom Index. And if your Reflux Symptom Index, and by the way, heartburn is like the last one, mm-hmm. um, if you have a score of 15 or higher, uh, we know statistically the chance of you having respiratory reflux or LPR is 90%. So one of the things that I would point out is that uh, chronic throat clearing and too much throat mucus is the number one symptom, and number two, um, hoarseness, particularly people who awake in the morning, and uh, then you get to the cough uh, and uh, sensation of a lump in the throat and all those things. The last thing I would say is if you ask me and to dissect it, I would say that uh, allergy, sinus disease, and asthma are the three biggest misdiagnoses in America. Mm. So all of this is like, it's like, and it's and like why is that? Because news. they don't they don't present typically. Uh, in other words, so you, 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 with asthma, we well, say well, you have to be you have to be, you have to be wheezing let, to to have asthma, but maybe not necessarily. About, well, let, let's just talk about asthma for a minute, okay? You and I know that asthma is associated with constriction of the bronchial tubes and difficulty getting air out of the lungs. So it's mm-hmm. a prolonged. Exhalation, getting the air out is slow and difficult. Right, they can breathe in, but the breathing uh, out is like a, <laughs> you know, you get that right, wheezing right. sound. Now, what's interesting is that when I listen to patients who come to see me, so I look at the history and it says they have asthma. So I ask the patient, I say, listen, when you have an asthma attack, you have more trouble getting the air in or out, and they throw their hand up in the air and go in. Uh-huh. And I say, that's not asthma. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a thing, a big uh, wastebasket called reactive airway disease. What that means yep. is that there are all kinds of things that will trigger changes in the breathing. And, of course, asthma is one of them. The problem is that for every patient who comes to me who has asthma, there's another one that doesn't really have asthma. And when you say to these people, by the way, 
how does the asthma medicine help? They go, it doesn't really help very much. Mm -hmm. Could it, could it possibly so, even hurt? Because I've heard of people, you know, who take these sprays continually course. and they actually uh, damage their vocal cords. Or they, uh, well, you know. they, they end up with fungal infections on the vocal cords. Mm -hmm. they, those people come in because uh, their voice is gone and they have got these big, huge white growths that look basically like somebody put, you know, huge uh, chunks of salt from the sea on their vocal cords. You literally, the East Connection. That's the East Connection of yeah, yeah, Canada, yeah. Canada infections. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And you can you treat that with diflucan and it clears mm. up. But more important is treating the reflux. So if you've got trouble breathing in, the mechanism is this. Um, in the throat, there are some switches. And those switches are only sensitive to acid. They're not sensitive to sugar. They're not sensitive to black pepper. They're not sensitive to, you know, um, anything else but, but acid. And those receptors will close the vocal cords if the acidity level gets down around stomach acid level. Mm -hmm. So if stomach acid comes up and trips those receptors, then people are going to have a choking episode in which they cannot get air in. And this not getting air in <gasps> um, often sounds like that kind of a crowing. Mm -hmm. And those people get to go, end up going to the emergency room. They get misdiagnosed as having asthma, they get hmm. a spray, maybe they get steroids, maybe they get all kinds of things. But uh, those patients actually outnumber, in my opinion, in my experience, people who have trouble breathing in don't have asthma. So if you know someone who has asthma, you have asthma, um, and you have trouble breathing in, think respiratory reflux, hmm. which can mimic asthma, but it's not asthma. Well, so the, the problem, though, is that the fix for this, and, you know, gastros have jumped on the bandwagon with this, is there's a realization, I, you know, probably during the middle of our careers, where they suddenly realized that, uh, you know, the, the acidity wasn't just about ulcers, it also could affect the throat. So a lot of patients uh, who have hoarseness, they're given acid-blocking drugs by their gastroenterologists or their internists, and that's supposed to fix things. And as you said, it's only a, maybe a 20% fix. But the PPIs themselves, uh, they have some pretty devastating side effects. So you really don't want to remain on those for long term. Well, let's talk about PPI. First of all, PPI means proton pump inhibitor. So you can imagine some people have seen on TV these little pumps. I think they're purple when you see them on TV, a uh, little uh, churning out acid in the stomach. So uh, proton pumps um, are, are not just for churning out acid. Um, one of the discoveries um, that I made that I'd never g gone to the trouble of looking before is to ask the question, um, since there are so many complications and side effects of these drugs, um, are there proton pump inhibitors elsewhere? Turns out that there are proton pump pumps that do all kinds of other things. They have to do with how cells use energy and how hmm. cells communicate cell-cell communication. So there are proton pumps in your kidneys, there are proton pumps in your heart, there are proton pumps in your brain. Wow. And so the, the, the um, arrogance of Big Pharma to assume that these uh, proton pump inhibitors uh, could be used without any uh, potential uh, complications in other organ systems or without ever looking 
um, is amazing to me that they should be a $15 billion a year drug mm-hmm. that's now available over, over the, the counter. Over the counter. Yeah, just take them now, indiscriminately. And then also they're prescribed for, for a lifetime often. None of those things are correct. First of all, let's deal with the question at hand in terms of are they effective. The answer is they're not. Everyone who comes to see me is already on a PPI right. and desperate to get off of them. So they, the idea that you take a proton pump inhibitor and you make no acid is wrong. Instead of making a ton of acid on a PPI, you make a half a ton of acid. So the acid suppression is marginal, um, and it certainly isn't good enough to fix respiratory reflux. So if you take five of them a day or 500 of them a day, you're still going to make acid. We've been doing reflux testing where we test uh, the acidity in the stomach, and we've uh, never seen anybody on a PPI who didn't have acid. So the idea that there's no acid, so so the first point is they don't work. They don't really stop reflux disease. And now the question you asked, okay. So I stopped using proton pump inhibitors in 2014 following publication of a Danish national study where they looked at 10,000 patients who had esophageal disease, and they followed those patients. And the conclusion of the study was long-term use of proton pump inhibitors is associated with an increased risk of esophageal cancer and a very high increased rate of pre-cancer. Wow. Now, hold, hold, the, hold the presses now, because as you well know, uh, everyone who right. has these abnormalities that are found on endoscopy called right. Barrett's esophagus, you know, metaplasia, right. dysplasia. That's another question. They're all put on these, these PPIs, and they're told, right. you need to take these medications for a lifetime or else you're going to get esophageal cancer. So that seals the deal on compliance because, you know, the fatal disease, people say, aye, yeah. aye, sir, and salute and take their medications forever. Yeah, well, the gastroenterologists are like dinosaurs, but unlike dinosaurs, they deserve to die out. None of that's true. <laughs> okay. None of it's true. Yeah. Not a piece of that is true. Wow. First of all, for every three people who come to me with Barrett's esophagus, well, only one has it. They're overdiagnosing Barrett's esophagus by the ton, and it has to do with sloppy methodology in doing the biopsies. Now, secondly, um, the increase in cancer rate it's not because the proton pump inhibitor itself causes cancer, in my opinion. It's because it does not stop progression of disease. Let's pretend you have heartburn, and the PPI gives you just enough relief so you don't have heartburn. Now you can eat like a pig. And yeah. by the way, the only way to really fix reflux is diet and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so the disease marches on unabated yeah. with it a silent it. organ now being further silenced. So it it, it affected... Uh uh, punches out the lights on your natural restraint uh, that you would exercise with foods that are irritants. It's like putting all the dirt under the rug. How many years could you put the dirt under the rug before you couldn't get in the room? And <laughs> so there is there is really no evidence that proton pump inhibitors effectively treat reflux disease. You may oh. be able to treat a rose of you know, uh, uh, you know, a rose of esophagitis mm-hmm. um, in some patients, but that's not. Um, what's happening with most of our folks. So I think the most important single piece is that uh, if you look at my website, we put on a lot of our research publications. The only paper on my website that's not mine is the Danish study. Mm-hmm. And so uh, long-term use of PPIs, far from protecting people, increases their risk of esophageal cancer. So that should be a huge 
a huge, a huge red flag. However, there are, are now 15 other red flags and the data that are available are um, not proof positive. On the other hand, we thought cigarette smoking was, was bad and was causing disease long before we could prove it. And so the proton pump inhibitors are associated with kidney disease, with arrhythmias, with heart attacks, with a whole host of diseases, including uh, perhaps dementia, Alzheimer's, and so on. Even depression, so all, I think, according of, to the latest study. And depression. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. A, and the, the depression was really, uh, the, the data were striking. It was uh, more than a 200% increase in depression. Mm-hmm. But they, the, they, the they actually said that, that really, if if people were to go off PPIs, we would eliminate 14% of the worldwide disease burden of depression, which was an interesting extrapolation. It's hard to really know, but it's that's what they calculated. Yeah, I, I read that paper, and it struck me as being an important paper, and mm-hmm. I and I agree. But I think we're, our conversation that we're having now is an important one, particularly for 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 physicians and for people who are buying these over the counters. The paper that got my attention the most was a relatively recent study that was done, a VA study. And the reason why it was an important study, and it is a flawed study because we don't know the cause of death, but the size of the sample, as you know, statistically, if you want to prove that men are taller than women, statistically, you probably only need 100. But if you wanted to prove, for example, that um, proton pump inhibitors um cause death, you might need to have a very large sample. Mm-hmm. So in the in the VA study, they had about 300,000 people where they were, com- maybe 400,000 people where they were comparing patients on PPIs for reflux and those on safer drugs that are called H2 antagonists like Zantac. Yeah, and, uh, old-fashioned uh, medications. Yeah, medications yeah, the, from the, the, the death, 70s. The, the death rate was 25% higher in the PPI. Wow, group. wow. Okay. We're talking about 60,000 deaths. We're, wow. Okay, we're going to pause because you, you certainly set the table for uh, the discussion we're going to have in part two, which is what are the alternatives? And I know that uh, having been the author of Dropping Acid, uh, a book which uh, outlines uh, a dietary approach to dealing with reflux, uh, we're going we're gonna to get into it. So today's guest, uh, Dr. Jamie Kaufman, Physician extraordinaire, a real uh, innovator in the field of uh, otolaryngology, uh, the inventor of the term LPR, laryngopharyngeal reflux. That's a mouthful. Uh, also silent reflux uh, and an out of the box thinker, which is really what we need in dealing with this uh, epidemic, a problem that affects so many people. And we're going to come up with some solutions uh, utilizing a more natural approach in part two. So stay with us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.